What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vane Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Heller. Today, we have Aaron Olson on from Next Step Outdoors, and we are going to be talking to him about going full-time into hunting. Uh, he quit his job in, at the end of 2022, hunted that full season, and then last year was his first full year full-time hunting. We talk about the pros and cons, the financials, the good, the bad, the logistics, all that kind of stuff throughout what it's like to go full-time, what it costs, how you can make some money, how you can make ends meet, and then also you know, the fun side of it, how much hunting you get to do, what are the opportunities like, how you're organizing your schedule, and what you need to get to get done in that first couple years. I imagine a lot of us listening to the podcast, um, and, and me personally talking on the podcast, it's something we've always kind of wanted to do. It's a dream. It's the idea of being able to just you know hunt in September, October, November, and have a great time or December and roll it through the whole season and do that for a living is something we've all kind of imagined. Um, and this is kind of putting that into context for somebody who's just but finished their first full year. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast before we get into it with Aaron. Um, just want to say thank you to a couple of great partners, Onyx Maps, GPS scouting map, uh, scouting app. I use it. I use it basically every day during season. It provides public private land boundaries, works offline. I store all my waypoints in there. I have a system for color coding waypoints. Um, for early season versus mid-season versus the rut versus late season, all that kind of stuff. It's just an overall phenomenal app. If you haven't checked it out, definitely go check out Onyx Maps. The next piece is um, Origin and Jocko Fuel, basically the same company. Jocko Fuel is supplements, protein. A lot of us are working out right now, so energy drinks, pre-workout, creatine, um, you're all, a bunch of different um, like omega, what are they called, like krill oil, cold war, all that kind of stuff. Um, plus your standard, um, your protein powders, and they do have some really good cookies that I like that are protein cookies. So great supplement line there. And then also on the origin side, hundred percent American made clothing, fantastic camo, great technical camo gear. I really like their stuff. Um, and then I actually, I got their boots, I got their jeans, I got their hoodies, like everything that they offer, uh, I have not been disappointed in any of it. Actually, I shouldn't say that. The only thing I was actually actually disappointed in, which I sh- I I had a I wasn't totally disappointed in, it was the parka system for the hunting, um, for the for the hunt hunt line, uh, the parka system that they have, which is the warmest system. I I thought it was going to be too noisy for the bow hunting woods, and to be bluntly honest, it was. I bought it, I wore it out one time, took it all off right away put it away. It was just, you know, when you draw your bow, you need it to be dead silent. And that stuff's not, it's not like swoosh pants, but it's the same material. And it certainly is louder than, you know, the dead silent stuff of, of the other, the other offerings they have. So that'd be the only thing I I don't recommend from them yet. If you're out West hunting and you're trying to like glass up from afar, you're doing muleys or elk or something like that. And you're glassing fantastic stuff. It was super warm. And when you don't care about noise, it's a great piece of gear. But if you do care about noise, um, and bow hunting and, you know, getting within 20, 15, 30 yards of deer, um, it can be, it can certainly be a detriment either way. The other stuff, all, all the other stuff, um, the jeans, the camo, the boots and all that stuff, fantastic stuff, very high quality. I haven't had an issue with any of it. Um, so far and, and definitely, um, a huge fan of it all, especially the Versa pants. I wear those all the time. The brand new Versa pants, they're expensive. I think they're 150 bucks, but they are badass pants, like huge. I, I would, I wear them scouting right now every time I go because they're 
warm, they're waterproof, um, they're windproof, they resist burrs and stickers and um, multiflower rose, thorns, all that kind of stuff. Huge fan of it. All right, that's enough on Origin and Jacko. Last but not least, um, Elite Archery and Ultra Arrows. Those are two companies that I've recently, Elite was last year, I was partnered with Ultra Arrows, just starting that partnership going. Um, Elite Archery, you know, if you guys are looking for a new bow this year in 2024, definitely go shoot an Elite. Give it a shot. I shot the Carbon Era last year. Huge fan of it. Never been more confident with the bow. Ultra Arrows just got those the other day. Um, pumping them through the saw actually tonight, getting them all set up, and I will be shooting them, um, you know, this spring and all throughout the summer and into the fall. And they are a um, a new arrow that's out. Levi Morgan is on that team. Um, he's and he shot obviously hundreds and hundreds and thousands, tens of thousands of arrows. He's on that team. He's chose to go with Ultra Arrows. So certainly a good opportunity to look into them if you guys are looking at a whole new setup of bow and arrows. All right. With that, let's hop into the podcast. So, yeah, I hop on a work call um, and one of the people I work with or everybody on my team knows I really like to hunt. Um, so I hop on a work call with um, some some firms that we're talking to and the main firm that's making all the decisions about this um, is a company out of California and the two people are um, women, which I'm not trying to stereotype against women, but women tend to be more, more animal, pro-animal than kill animal, <laughs> um, if that's a good way to say it. So like we hop on and the girl that I work with goes, hey, yep, here's Anthony Heller. He's my he's my director. He can help make all these decisions. In his spare time, he really likes hunting deer. He hunts pheasants. He hunts goose. <laughs> uh, he does. He he goes out and that, that's his main thing. So if you're into that, like we can talk about that for days. And I was just like, oh, man, this is not good. <laughs> they were kind of like. She volunteers to PETA in her time, you know, in her. I know, weekend, right? So. She switches her background to PETA. No, she didn't. But. I was like, oh man, that could have, and they were like, oh, that's, that's cool. Well, no, I mean, we really like the outdoors here. You know, we don't, we don't hunt or fish, but we also don't. Um, and I, I followed that up with, I really like it because like, I really like organic meat. I want to know where the meat that I have comes from. Like that's, totally. that's, that's the main reason I'm not out here. Tro like trophy hunting. I'm out here hunting for the meat to feed my family. I got a couple kids, wife, and it's just really nice to not have to go to the supermarket and buy something that you don't know where, like how, how it's life lived and everything like that. And they're like, Oh, okay. Like that's how you can basically smooth over anybody unless they're vegan, which by is... the way, look at all these shoulder mounts behind me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, man, you were saying when you quit your job before we started the podcast, when you quit your job and then started doing this, like, you, you switched up your office, which is what led us to this conversation. But um, welcome everybody to the podcast. It's Aaron. Aaron Olson's on here um, with me, and we're talking about Aaron quit his job last year, hunting full time, and we're trying to figure out what that looks like. What is the reality of that? Because a lot of people dream about it, um, not a lot of people do it. And so it's kind of it's fun to get the insight after one year of doing it. Yeah, I'm actually. This this is time. I don't know when you're going to actually post this, but I'm actually I'm launching a video on Sunday. So this I quit my job October of 2022. So it's been like a year and a half now. Okay, and I've been pretty quiet about it, and I think I don't think I know the reason why. It's honestly because I was like afraid of failing publicly, 
and basically announcing that, hey, you know, I went out on my own, I'm making my own path, and then, you know, having to kind of eat my words and go back to corporate America because, you know, whatever, things fizzled out and I just couldn't do it. Um, but here we are 18 months later, still chugging along and, and, you know, some exciting stuff in the works. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's been a dream of mine for quite a long time and it's been pretty cool to, to actually make that come to reality. Yeah, man. I'm pr proud of you. First Thank of all, you. like that's pretty, that's pretty damn cool. Cause I mean, everybody thinks about it, but people are always afraid to do it. They're afraid to make the jump. Right. Um, and and the thing with like going back um, with kind of like, okay, I couldn't do it, right? I got to go back to corporate America um, at the same, at the same, like that is a reality for, for certainly some people who try it and, and don't, but that doesn't mean you can't try it again, right? It means right. you got to go back to corporate America. You got to save up your war chest and then you got to try it again and do it different. Um, you, you taught like a lot of the people who are those successful business entrepreneurs that, you want to follow on Instagram or you hear talk about or whatever, you know, they don't, most of them do not hit it big the first time. Most of them fail in dozens of times before yeah. they find the path. My, for instance, my, my dad personally, you know, he, he failed at being well, quote unquote failed. He, he had a multitude of businesses throughout his life. He started and he was an entrepreneur and basically it took him until he was almost 50 years old to hit one solid one. So it took him 30 years to hit a solid one that he, that he liked and was profitable and worked on, you know, in 30 years prior to that, like you'd look at him to now and be like, dude, you're a very successful person. He's like, yeah, you should have seen me when I was 35. Like it wasn't that way. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I think a lot of people are afraid. Like, so I, I just turned, my birthday was last week. I turned 32 and like, there's, there's part of me that's like, oh man, like, I, I mean, I, I feel like I've lived like five different lifetimes already. You know, I played college basketball and there's like, you know, just different aspects of my life. And it's like, it seems like it was so long ago. I barely remember that version of myself. So like on one hand, I feel like, man, I'm getting kind of, I'm getting up there in age, but at the same time, it's like, dude, people are going to live till they're 110 years old now if, you know, if you take care of your body and modern medicine. And I mean, a lot of that stuff's a little controversial, but like just get, you know, I'm barely scratching the surface on my life, God willing. And, you know, even if I was 45, just trying to make this dream a reality or 55, like there's still a lot of life to be lived with this new reality. So yeah, it's, even if it's not, if you quote unquote fail, like you got, you just got to learn and pivot. And that's one thing I will say, if my goal is to make a lot of money and uh, really grow something big. I've like second guessed if hunting is the best route to do that because it's like so seasonal. They talk about hunting numbers declining every year. I don't know if that's actually factual or not. Um, but it just seems like, man, if I was trying to build a, you know, whatever, like I'd be trying to do something like personal development or health and fitness or whatever, but I'm just so passionate about deer hunting. That's like, that's all I want to consume my, my mind with. So it's, that's the route that I'm going to stick to. And, you know, so far it's working out. Awesome, dude. Yeah. I wanted to look, I have some metrics here on, on hunter numbers in Wisconsin over the last like 20 years. I don't have it pulled up, but I, but I will, you'll see me typing away here. Um, 
the one of the people that that I follow as like at some point in my life, I I won't I will work for myself. Like that's a that's a very real goal of mine. The the thing is, and and I know you and I talked about this, you know, a couple of years ago when we had our last podcast, which was, you know, where are you at today and what can you do with today to set yourself up for future? Like how big can you build that war chest before you want to, before you want to start spending it? Right. Um, and one of the guys that I, I look up to is like an entrepreneur in that manner is Gary Vaynerchuk, which a lot of people mm-hmm. know. And his, his, one of his famous savings is like, dude, I was stocking shelves at my dad's liquor store when, until I was 35, you know, and you look at him now and he's got millions of followers. He runs a, a mega media company. Um, and, and he's got a whole bunch of influence. So I don't, I don't think it's ever too late. And I even look at my own dad, who's finally hit it when he was 50, you know, and from, and I'm, and I'm 33 now. So, you know, when he was 50, I was 16, 17 years old. And to like, I don't feel like I ever lived a, in like an impoverished life or anything like that, because you know, my mom was breadwinner for those years and we just lived frugally. It's just like, you want Fruit Loops? No, you get store brand Fruit Loops, <laughs> right? Like you want that new toy? No, you get one toy a month. Like as a kid, like you don't get the toys. You don't get, I didn't get the brand new PlayStation. I didn't get the brand new N64. I got two years old N64. I got, you know, Game Boy Color came out and I got the old gray Game Boy. Like, <laughs> You know, that's like, that's how, like how we lived and it was, and it was fine. It taught, it taught me personally a lot about, um, about money and, and what it means to you and what it means to, to have money. And when you, when you have it, it's not all about spending it. It's about at the end of the day, you know, like for you exactly what you were saying to tie this back, it's about your, your happiness and what's going to make you fulfilled in life. Yeah. You meet, you meet a lot like you can meet and you listen to podcasts with people who are very wealthy and don't have a great life. It's like how and a lot of people can't fathom that it's because there's just like different things that come along with that. And mentally, it's it's clear that money does not equal happiness. Yeah, I, I um, couldn't agree more to that. Like. I grew up pretty similar to you. It sounds like where I had three brothers. My parents didn't make a ton of money. We grew up in a, you know, I shared a bedroom until basically my brother went off to college and, uh, you know, I'd get like one, one pair of sneakers for the school year. And I wore, I, I mean, they were busted by the end of the year, but I was wearing those same sneakers until the following school year. And, you know, we, we made do and did a lot of fun stuff still, you know, we camped a lot and, you know, I don't know, did a lot of, a lot of like, lesser expensive activities. They didn't go on any fancy vacations. I mean, I got one kid now. I can't imagine taking three more on a, on a trip or anything, but, um, so my only goal though, growing up was to just make a ton of money. Just, I just wanted to make enough money where it's like, that wasn't a limiting factor in my life. So I went to, I did my undergrad actually, um, to go pre-med and, you know, I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. Cause I just figured like, that's, you know, you want to make a bunch of money, be a doctor. In my uh, I think junior year of college, I got into some different business ventures and did fairly well at them and kind of pivoted and decided not to go to med school anymore and started to pursue business. And uh, that led to a sales sales career for the last seven years or so. And I did I did really well for myself to and not like I'm not going to throw out numbers or anything, but like basically like if there was a trail camera I wanted, I bought it. If there was a new bow I wanted, I went and bought it. And 
I kind of, I went from like the scarcity mindset to like, I never had all of these things or never had the ability to buy just things that I wanted. So I, I, I like went to the opposite extreme and just like had all the, you know, nobody could give me anything for Christmas. Cause like, if I wanted it, I'd already bought it. And right. Lindsay, my wife and I are now we're, we're like kind of going the opposite way where we're trying to be like more minimalist. So like every day we got people coming and picking stuff up off of our porch for, you know, like Facebook market, we're just like purging stuff and decluttering. And, um, but at the peak of like my sales career, I was earning like more than most people my age that I knew. And I was miserable, man. I, I hated it. And I just felt so trapped in this job because, you know, our, as my income went up, our, our lifestyle kind of inflated and we got used to doing certain things or spending a certain amount. And it's like, man, now I got to maintain that. Like I can't get out of this. Um, so when we finally, you know, it basically got to the point, like, and all of this is in the video that I'm posting um, this weekend, but um, it got to the point where I was like the most depressed I'd ever been in my entire life. And, and it, like, I wasn't like going to harm myself or anything like that, but it was just like such a low place where I couldn't see a way out. I just felt so incredibly trapped. Meanwhile, I had dreams of building this, you know, building this channel full time and just didn't see how I was going to get the boats close enough together to make the jump. So at some point, um, my wife and I sat down and I actually like pitched her on this idea of like, what if we just saved up a bunch of money? You know, we'll, I'll exit this job. We'll build this channel full time. And I made like PowerPoint and spreadsheets and like the whole nine. And uh, she's kind of a, she's not a great math, a uh, great math person. So I had to, you know, make it all charts and make it pretty and stuff. But, um, you know, she's super supportive and, and I'm super blessed uh, to have her, but, um, basically she was on board. So we saved like crazy. Meanwhile, I was busting my butt to grow my channel as much as I could during that year. And, uh, and then I, September, the last day of September was my last day in 2022. So I basically had all of last hunting season to hunt full time. And then this last year was like my full, my first full year. So like my first full off season, I actually spend time in the field and you know, do the scouting, the food plots and, and all that stuff. So it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So you, you save the money, you sit down with the wife, like, and you, and you have a kid, how old is your, is it a son or daughter? Son. He's, uh, he's just about six months now. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so you quit your job, you have a kid. <laughs> that, yeah. That was the thing I, you know, we, I wanted to quit the job and she's like, let's start trying to have a kid. And I was like, yeah, probably not the best time, you know, if I'm about to quit my, my job and lose some of this financial security, like you want to wait a year? And she's like, no. So we, we compromised as, as soon as possible. You're right. She made up her mind. So, yeah. yeah so, so you, so yeah, you have a kid, you save up the money, you make the jump. Um, and now, now you're in it. Right. So, so what were like, and, and you said you were trying to build a channel. I, I assume that's a YouTube channel or is it like the, the next step brand? What I mean, is it's, I guess so like next step outdoors, like the whole premise behind that is, is I kind of started it just to document my journey and progression as a bow hunter and to basically put that information out there, like whatever I was learning at the time in hopes to help other people like shorten their learning curve, because I know how incredibly frustrating it is 
to just go out there and fail and you want to be successful. You see all these people on social media being successful. I'm like, I just, I'm so hungry for that. I see it's possible. I see other people doing it. So I'm trying to like put all of that information out there, whatever I'm learning. And, uh, but yeah, most of it, like my main, my main, um, my main deal is YouTube for sure. Okay. Gotcha. So then the idea is, look, let's get, what, what was, what was the, like, is the idea like in year one, I'm not going to make, I'm probably not going to make any money. So, so, so I was already making some money. So like, you know, I didn't have an enormous following at the time, but what a lot of people don't understand about building a social media brand of any kind is like, there's, there's a lot of different ways to monetize. So I think that what most people think about is, you know, if I get all these followers, brands are going to reach out to me and just start sending me gear and paying me money. And, and I'm sure that happens to some people who just, you know, have an incredible amount of influence and just, you know, shoot a ton of big bucks. Um, that's not me yet. Um, so like that, <laughs> that, that wasn't really the case, but there's a lot of other ways to make money. So like there's what's called affiliate marketing. And what that basically is, is like, you're essentially selling somebody else's product. So like amazon.com is like, you know, I'll use them as an example, like pretty early into um, building my channel, I did like a trail camera review and I tested four of the cheapest trail cameras on Amazon, made this extravagant video about it and then linked all four of those cameras. So if somebody wanted to buy it, they went and watched my video, said, okay, I want to buy that one based off the review. They clicked my link and order it. I get a commission. Well, what's cool about that is you don't just get commissioned on that one trail camera, basically like anything that they add to their Amazon cart, you know, they're, you don't just order one thing. So like, they're like, well, I need I've had people, like I can see what people buy. I can't see who buys it, but like I've had somebody buy, you know, $2,000 worth of truck tires and it's like, boom, I get commissioned on that. And the cool part about it is like, it's, it's truly passive income. You know, you put that video out one time and for the lifetime of that video and, you know, assuming you, it's something that will be relevant for a long period of time, like those videos, it's constantly getting clicks. So you can, you can, it's, I mean, it, it's not a lot at first, but you get enough of that going on and it turns into a worthwhile amount. Um, so there's that, yeah. you know, there's the YouTube ad revenue, the, the videos that or the ads that pop up before your video, like you get a cut of that. Again, it's not a lot at first, but you start getting, you know, a lot of views. And the thing about YouTube is you had five videos out there and they get a hundred views a day. Well, it's not going to add up too much, but if you had 300 videos out and they're getting a hundred views a day, like, you know, it's kind of like, it just grows. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so there's just a lot of different ways to monetize. And I was trying to like, just tap into as many of those as possible. And now that I am getting a little bit bigger, like the brand deals are, are, you know, I'm starting to do more of that. And, um, you know, that's been a learning curve in itself because there's not really a guide out there or somebody saying, Hey, if you have, you know, 10,000 subscribers or 15,000 subscribers, like this is how much you charge. There's just so many different factors that go into all of that. So it's like, it's just trying to figure out what you're worth and what brands want and what, how you can add value. And that's what it's all about. So, I mean, it's all about how much value can you add to these companies? Yeah. And that's, and, and I know we're talking for everybody. Listen, I know we're talking about money right now. We'll talk about the hunting, the hunting <laughs> soon, but if there, cause if there was no money at all, like 
you you your war chest would only if you planned your war chest to last three years and there's no money, you can't extend that war chest to five, six, seven years and give yourself a chance. You know, and it's like um, whereas like it, it, you can, if you can supplement it, you know, you're not like, let's pretend, you know, the average income in the U S is 54 grand a year. So let's, let's say like, if you're trying to, if you saved enough money so that you could live off of, let's just call it four grand a month. So it's 48,000 a year and you saved up, you know, a hundred grand so that you could have, you know, two to three years of living expenses saved up. Um, then at that point, like, how can I stretch that out? Well, if you only make 10 grand this year. Well, you know, you can, you can give yourself an extra three, four months. If you make 20 grand this year, you can give yourself an extra half year. And if you're starting to minimalize, you're starting to sell stuff on Facebook marketplace, you watch your utility bills, you watch your, your, you know, your grocery bill, what you're going out to eat dinner, your travel, all that kind of fun stuff. You can knock that, you know, $48,000 down to, you know, maybe $30,000 or 35. And now you're, you're, you're pushing that money and making it last longer, which, for hunting being seasonal, a lot of your, a lot of your income and your views is going to come at the end of the year. So you need to make it to that season, right? I mean, turkey hunting, we all love turkey hunting, but it just, I think it's something like 70% of the hunting licenses in the U S are for whitetails. So like, that's when all your money's coming in. Like, I don't care how much you put into Turkey. You're never going to eclipse whitetails. Um, so like, that's what you, that's what you have to get to. Right. And you need to extend that and push that out. And it, and then that's, that's why we're, I, that's why I think the money's the important side of things because it's the only way you're going to keep going. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So you, you kind of like had an idea on the money. You had a, you had a plan for kind of subsidizing it. I'm sure you had a plan for how many years you could do this or how many months, how many seasons you could do this before you're like, all right, I gotta, I gotta go back. Um, and then it became, after you, and you kind of like did that like affiliate marketing plus brand deals is that like your two and then your ad revenue and youtube is are those like your three main pieces or are there other things that um, other portions there's, that other th there's other things but i'd say those are the three biggest for sure yeah what do you think about did, did have you done trade shows like with next step not yet do you okay do you want to do that i'd say like Yes and no. I mean, it seems like a, a ton of work, but I think it'd be super cool just because you get to meet. I, I mean, like the relationship building is the coolest thing. So getting to meet people, um, you know, part of that's like I got to like I got I had like a limited run of hats and, and some hoodies and stuff. But I got to like I got to get some of that figured out a little bit more. I'm trying to find like a local supplier to do more of that. But um, I mean, I'd love to be out there slinging merch and talking hunting with you know, anybody and everybody. So yeah. I think eventually I'll, I'll start doing some of those maybe next year. Okay. Yeah. From, so I I've talked to people about that. Um, I've never had an interest in, in actually doing a trade show, like from the deer vein side of things, it's just like not in the cards yet. Um, I've talked to some people about it who have though, um, the working class bow hunter guys, like they do a lot of them. Um, but they also share a booth with, I think it's like a, it's a veterans organization. It's a military veterans thing. And those guys have a, those guys have a much larger following than you or I. So they're right. talking to a lot of people. Um, and they they like split the costs with the veterans team, I, I believe, or I forget exactly how it works, but it's not a huge impact on them. 
I've talked to some other people who build their own booth, do their own trade show, make all the travel themselves. They buy the booth and everything. And, and they've said like, they basically lose money. They lose money or break oh, yeah. stuff from not from the, like, if you're, if you're there selling food plot seed, like that's a different story. But for, for people like us who are content creators, like it's like, you're meeting a lot of people. You might be slinging some merch. You might, you might not depending on the crowd and who knows you and all that kind of stuff. But um, you, you might break even what, what I've talked to one guy who says I partner with one of my brands and I go travel with them. He goes, yep. that's like, I've been doing really well. Cause I don't have to set up the booth. I don't have to pay for the booth. I get to guest in the booth. I don't have to be there the whole time. I can bring in my merch and I just work out a deal with them. Whatever sells, like I help, we split it like margin or whatever. And it, and it works really. And I help them sell their stuff too. So if I could give you a piece of advice on that end, it would be that seems to be the way to go versus building your whole own backing. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at this point. Yeah. I'm actually, I'll be at the great American outdoor show in um, Pennsylvania here two weeks, I think Um, I'll be there with latitude outdoors, just kind of helping out in their booth. So at least I'll get a little bit of taste of that, but yeah, I'll probably start doing more of that for sure. Beautiful. Man, that's awesome. Um, yeah, that's one thing people seem to I uh, people have asked me about that. I'm like, yeah, I have you actually looked at the costs and just the to, just to get the, the plot is a lot. Like, yeah, it's a few grand. Yeah, it's a few grand to get to get a a crappy booth, a yep. crappy location where no one's gonna see it. A small one in the very back corner. Yeah, by the boats or whatever the yeah. hell's back there. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, or the chew, like I always love the chew trailer. <laughs> like that's in most of them. Like you walk in, like it's a dirty, like it's a dirty dance show in there, whatever. Like it's strippers in there. You're like, oh, what, what's your age? And it's all blacked out. You go in, you get a tin <laughs> and you walk out. Like it's just a freaking tin guys. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Okay. Um, ah, man, that's, that's cool. So then, um, yeah, I was just trying to think of anything other, anything else on the, the money side. I mean, the merch stuff, that stuff's cool. You can I you and I can talk about that later. I, I I've been playing around with that as well. And there's some some things that may make sense um that we can chat about later. The well, so then I guess what about the 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 fun part? What about the hunting full time? Like, let's talk about that, man. Yeah. Um one of my like it seems to me like if you're doing this full time, um, actually you, you start, I don't want to put ideas in your head. Tell, tell me about it. Yeah. So this year I'll, I'll just kind of stick with this year because it's fresh in my mind. Um, this year logistically was a little more confusing or more, um, complicated is a better word just because we had, we had our son like the very end of July and I'd already had like an early September trip planned and I'm like triple check with my wife like you're still gonna let me go we're gonna have a you know four week old kid at that time like you're really gonna let me go hunting and uh I ended up um going out to North Dakota with the guy do you know Alex Comstock and Whitetail DNA yeah yep yeah, so, so I went out with those guys Sam Soholt um some other some other dudes um shared camp with them which was cool because a lot of the stuff i do is is solo for the most part so it was fun to share camp for the i don't know four or five days that they were all there and 
they all left and then I stayed until I think I killed on day 15 or something like that. I so, remember that. I no. remember seeing that in your stories and everything like, yep, everybody's gone. I'm going to be yep. here till this tag is filled. Well, my wife was like, don't come home until you punch a tag. And like, she was, you know, she's, it was tough having the kid at home because I obviously wanted to, to be there. Um, but I think she likes, she has a companion now. Like we have dogs, but that's not the same as like having a kid to entertain and, and, you know, hang out with. Um, so that was cool though. I mean, early season was, that was the, one of the coolest experiences I've had as a deer hunter because in early season and late, I mean, all times of season, but especially early season, they're such patternable. They're so patternable. Um, and I, I literally had six encounters with this buck. I killed him on the sixth encounter I had with this buck. So it was just like the ultimate chess game. I was, it seemed like, um, almost every sit I was having an encounter with a buck that I would shoot, which I don't have, like, it's not like I'm out there trying to only kill 150 inch bucks. Like I had some encounters with some nice bucks though. And, um, yeah, I ended up killing that one. And I mean, I was, I was super pumped that it all worked out. Um, but I was like equally as pumped. I actually, I shoulder hit one on day six and I was like really relieved, not really, I, I was relieved a little bit, but I was excited that I shot this deer because it's like, okay, it didn't, I didn't have to be gone that long and now I can go home to my, my wife and my son. And I never ended up finding him. I called dog trackers and all this stuff. And it was just like a muscle hit and not a lot of penetration, which I knew that immediately. So it was kind of an emotional roller coaster going from, okay, we just punched the tag on day six to never mind, And all of a sudden I'm there another 10 days. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was cool. I think, um, I just posted on my Instagram. I stayed in a tent or in my vehicle 26 nights this last fall. And a lot of that was solo. And there's just something when you're, when you're out there by yourself, it's such a mental battle because so many times it's like, why am I out here still? Like go home. Like what, like, do you really want it that bad? Like it's, this isn't that serious. It's just deer hunting with and in, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, obviously for the content and everything, like it's nice to kill deer. And I, that's what I'm out there to do is to kill a deer, but like, nobody cares if you shoot a buck or not. Like everyone thinks like, whether you're trying to build a brand or not, or you just like want to impress your friends, your friends don't care if you shoot a buck. They really don't deep down. Like they're like, Oh, cool. You shot a buck. Great. Send me a picture. Oh, nice. Like you could kill 180 inch deer and like, nobody cares. Um, so there was like that going on in my head and it's like, dude, just why are you even out here? And I was like, no, just stay one more day, stay one more day. And when I finally did tag out, I was just like super pumped. So that was definitely cool. Yeah. Oh man. I, and I, I, I get many, many episodes of that. So this, <laughs> like this year, this year I did three, I did three days in Illinois. Um, and, and even on, even on the evening of day two, I was just like, holy shit, this is hard. Like brand new land, like brand new, everything like that. It seems like the odds are against you. Um, and, and you have the thought and you're like, well, tomorrow's a new day. Like whatever it is, what it is. I committed to being here for three days. I'm going to be here for three days. Um, and even like, I mean, that's not a long time, but a it's, it seems like um one of the things like my wife was like she's like why are you going to 
you know, Illinois, you have another, I, I, so I shot two bucks this, this fall and both of them had CWD. So I have a third oh, CWD wow. tag. Um, they give you another buck tag. Right. So I had a third one. She's like, why are you not just going back to your land to hunt? Why aren't you going to the cabin? Why aren't you hunting around here? And the, the objective is like, I, I have a hard time and I'm sure you, you probably do too. Being in sales, like we're social people um having a pod like the podcast is extremely natural for me to have and people that people say that like oh man i could never do a podcast i'm like how can't you do it but this is what i this is i love talking to people like this is what i do um and so so being alone by myself for three days is not um that's not natural for me and it's like yeah you get like restless about it yeah it was i will say in north dakota it was you know, it, I was there so long. I mean, I, I was there and it was like, when I first arrived, it was like full blown summer. It was 110 degrees. And by the time I was leaving, like the leaves were changing and falling off. The the beans had went from green to like getting picked and like they were planting cover crops and stuff. And it was just like, if I didn't kill, I was really nervous that the, the whole pattern was turning over and I was going to have to like start at ground zero or, you know, start at square one. Um, but I will say like at camp, like, you know, all these other hunters would come into the campground and set up shop for three, four or five days or the weekend or whatever. And then they'd leave. And then a new wave of hunters would come and like, I stayed there. Um, so I did, I did end up like, you know, you just kind of, you're there. So like, I ended up talking to some guys and, you know, having brats and beers with a couple dudes from Wisconsin and. You know, they, they were, they were kind of discouraged with what they were seeing. So they, they took off early one morning and, um, I woke up and opened up my tent. There's like a case of beer and some like homemade, like, I don't remember banana nut bread, like on my picnic table, in my campsite. And I was like, man, that was, that was nice of them. Yeah. So there's definitely a little bit of camaraderie still with strangers and, but it's, it's not the same. I mean, you're, you're, you're alone with, with all your thoughts and, you know, weather gets crappy and the wind's blowing and you can't sleep. And it's like, dude, what am I doing? Right. You're being a full timer. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, maybe that's why the hunting public guys are always in pairs. (laughs) Oh yeah. I think, yeah, we'll see this, this year I'm going to have a cameraman for more hunts. So that'll, that'll, uh, That'll probably help. But at the same time, there's challenges of having a cameraman too. When I went to, so I did like, I did North Dakota early season and then I hunted Ohio hard. I had like one, one buck that I was trying to kill in Ohio. And I don't, I don't know what he's, he's dead now. I didn't kill him. I haven't scored him yet. My dad killed him. Um, but I was on this one buck all like super hard, like from, he's been the, the background on my computer since last season. And, uh, I mean, I just did ever, all the work in the world to try to kill this buck and, um, that you probably will end up in the one seventies or something. And, um, I, I got busted by him like two days before I left for my rut trip. And then my dad came down, hunted, like he hunted one, one night, hunted the next morning and shot him that sit. So like his second, he's up in Michigan too. And he's like, he's never killed a buck. Probably that probably hasn't killed a hundred inch buck before. And then just smoked a 170. So I'm pumped for him. And if somebody's going to kill him, you know, obviously love to have him do it. Um, so anyway, so that was like a yeah a season in a nutshell, but I went to Iowa and that was my first like legitimate hunt with a cameraman, like an actual paid cameraman, not just like a buddy out there with you. 
And it was just like, I mean, we're buddy, we're friends now, but it's like, it was just some random kid from Oklahoma that I had been referred by another guy in the industry. And this guy had filmed and, and done some photography for some other like hunting personalities. And so it was like arriving in Iowa was my first time meeting this guy. So it was definitely interesting to like, all of a sudden I'm spending every waking minute with this stranger and trying to make hunting decisions and, you know, trying to get input and trying to balance, like, you know, taking somebody else's input versus trusting your own gut and having super different, like he was from Oklahoma and he's killed some good deer. So he'd feel super strongly about certain things and I'd feel strongly about other things and trying to like weigh that out was, was interesting. And then trying to get two people up in a tree, you're trying to find a tree on public land that two people can get in. Um, but that was, that trip was a little less lonely until, until he left at least, cause it took us so long to kill. And then I killed the first day without him. <laughs> of day course. 10, 10 days. Oh man. So yeah. So you did, you did North, you did North Dakota, Ohio, Iowa. What else? I, so after I punched those, those three, I, I killed a buck, the gun opener in Ohio. So after I filled those three tags, those were kind of like, I wasn't going to do anything else until I filled those tags. And I'm from Michigan and have some permission pieces up there still. And it's, they're like fun hunting. You're going to see a ton of deer, probably not many bucks and not racked bucks. Um, but I was like, what the heck? I'll go up there. And it was muzzleloader season. So I went up to Michigan for a long weekend and saw probably a hundred deer, not a single buck that was two and a half or older. Like I saw some little bankers, but like not a single two and a half year old buck out of, you know, I don't know. Obviously some of the deer were repeat deer, but probably 50 or 60 deer that I saw. Um, so that just kind of reaffirmed my desire to never hunt Michigan again. <laughs> and uh, and then I did a late season trip out. I got talked into going out to Missouri. We left Christmas Day, came back New Year's Day, and I went to Missouri for um for late season, which was fun. I wanted to kind of push myself, try some new stuff. And usually by December, I'm just shooting does and messing around. I'm not usually buck hunting. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to kind of intentionally put myself in some uncomfortable positions and stretch myself and you know, just start building foundation for, for future seasons. Yeah. Oh, no, that's cool. So that was like, so at the beginning of the year, the plan was I got three tags for sure. Ohio, Iowa, North Dakota. I'm going to try to fill those. Cause the other thing is like, you know, if you look at like Levi Morgan or you look at Heartland Bowhunter, Realtree Road Trips or any of these like, you know, iconic brands that are in the in the industry, they're generally putting out 12 episodes a year, which generally means they're knocking down 12 bucks. Yep. Um, and that's why, that's why people have teams, right? Cause it's really yeah. difficult for a single person to have 12 kills, right? You, I mean, you got to do a lot of effort and that's why people like people will shit on the like Levi Morgan for going with a guide somewhere, but it's like, dude, you, you only have like, you're trying to kill three animals a month and three solid animals like Levi Morgan isn't shooting, you know, forks. Right. So it's like, it, that's, that's the difficulty that, that these people and the pressure that these people are put under. So that's why a guide makes such a, such sense and why leases make so much sense for these people. It's because that's how they're able to get 12 animals on the ground. Yeah. And, and like, you know, I've, 
I'm not just some bloodthirsty. I want to kill as many animals as possible. Like I do have a higher number than three as a goal for this year. So, but at the same time, like kind of to your point, like I've been thinking about that and like, I'm, I'm not in any position to like afford an outfitted trip or anything like that. But I've been thinking about that a lot because up until this point, like it really hasn't been in like the work is what is enjoyable to me. Like I like the scouting. I like running the cameras. I like putting the food plots and, you know, hanging the sets or whatever. Like the, the work is what makes things so satisfactory. So, so uh, fulfilling. Like if I was just to go out and shoot a buck the first day I went somewhere and didn't really do, you know, like it'd be, I'd be excited, but like, it wouldn't be the same as if like, you know, on day 16 or day 10, you punch that tag. Like, I mean, I hated some of the time I was out there. I was like trying to talk myself into going home, but like, I'm so proud of myself for sticking it out. But to bring it back to your outfitter point, like I'm an opportunistic hunter. Like I, I don't just hunt public. I don't just hunt private. I do a pretty good mix of all of that. Like I like hunting different states. I haven't gotten in like different species much yet, but I've been thinking about the outfitter thing and like my goal as a hunter, like especially coming from Michigan, like Northern Michigan, where I, the area I came from, like you're lucky to see a single deer in a sit. If you see like a deer, it's a successful hunt and let alone like a buck or a shooter buck. So like you go out there and like, you don't really have high hopes of killing something. Cause like more than likely you're not even going to see a deer. So my goal has always kind of been to just like, I want it, I want to experience deer hunting at the highest level. So like, that's why like, you know, obviously like private land makes it easier to like have control over pressure and being able to put in food plots and being able to do some of that. And that's why, you know, long-term, one of my big goals for myself is to buy land, which is getting exponentially more expensive every year, it seems. But I've been thinking about the outfitter thing. It's like, it would be cool just to see what it's like where they have, you know, they have so much land leased up or bought up and, you know, obviously it, it wouldn't be the same because you're not doing all the work, but I would love to just go experience like the full blown rut where there's just tons of giant bucks. And, you know, obviously there's probably some crappy outfitters that that wouldn't be the case. And it might be more like Northern Michigan, but, um, <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed to trying it, I guess is what I'm, I'm getting at. And, you know, I don't know, I guess we'll see in the future what the future brings, but I think it'd be fun just to like, see what it's like. Yeah, dude, I, I totally agree with you. I think it'd be fun. It'd be fun to do an outfitted hunt um, at least one time in your life, just to understand what it's like. You know, do I think it's, uh, would I think it's fulfilling if you roll into camp at noon and he's like, Hey, yeah, I think you should sit this food plot over here um, tonight and, you know, sit there from 6 to 9 p.m., see what you see. And you go out there and, you know, 180 or 160 inch buck walks out and you shoot yeah. it and you're like, sweet. It's like it's done like those like and people who find a ton of fulfillment in that are people who are after the rack, in my opinion, like, like yeah, they're yeah. after the I shot this buck in Illinois. Like that's all they want to say because they don't want to say. I didn't do any of the work. I didn't do shit. Yeah. I pulled out my crossbow. I shot it three times. I sat down. <laughs> I shot this giant buck. Boom. You know, like, like that. Those are the people who, who don't want the fulfillment of, yeah, dude, I was out there for nine days. I hung 17 sets. This was the 18th set. Like I thought it was garbage. I'm full of poison Ivy. It was a one mile walk in. <laughs> like those are the people who are like, they enjoy the journey. Right. Yep. But at the same time, like there is no, 
I've talked to a lot of people who have done outfitted hunts and it's like, dude, I was there for seven days and I saw a buck. Oh, wow. It just wasn't a good fit. And one of the other things that like, that I've noticed about outfitted out sometimes in, in outfitted hunts is like, here are the tree stands. You don't get to go anywhere else. I know this, like you get to, you get to sit here. I don't care if you see them running 50 yards away or 70 yards away in the woods, you're not getting down and moving. You're staying in the stand. I'd have a hard time with that. I'm I'm a mobile hunter. I'm a saddle hunter. So I'm, I mean, I rarely sit in the same tree, so I'd, I'd have a hard time with that. Right. And that's like, so like, that's like, um, where you take a look at that and go like, okay, like that's how, how, what, what helps you pick out an outfitter. Like you got to ask the questions like, Hey, like, how is this going to work? Like, basically like if I, if I'm looking at your, your shoes, um, where you're at and what you like to do, it's like, Hey man, you got 80 acres of unpressured land that I can have to myself and I can go hunt, you know, in this state or a hundred acres or whatever it is. Um, cause there are outfitters like that too. One of my buddies goes to one, the guy it's, it's six guys. They go for muzzleloader in Illinois and the guy leases out, like, I think it's like 350 acres or so. And seven guys get to go hunt 350. Um, and they all get to pick where they want to go. The guy's right. like, yeah, this is my farm. Go hunt wherever you want to hunt. Just yeah. pay me my money for the week. <laughs> yeah. The other thing, right? like on, on a similar note, like, I think a lot of people have gotten away from asking for permission to hunt just because I, I do think it's gotten more difficult um, just because a lot of it's getting leased up and bought up and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And or people have had a bad experience with hunters that didn't listen to their rules or whatever the case might be. Um, but I've been doing more door knocking and just like literally cold calling people off of Onyx and asking for permission and, we landed two in Iowa and both of our like closest encounters with the bigger, the biggest bucks were on the private land. And the one it's like, the one was like 80 acres. He said 150 or, or like, you can't shoot anything under 150. And it's like, all right, it was like day three in Iowa and November 3rd or whatever. And we're like, all right, like, sounds good to me. And like first sit had like a beautiful, like 135 inch eight point, like could have shot him a million times, like probably like a mid forties, nine point. And, uh, but that was like, it was literally like top three hunt ever, like just deer chasing everywhere, deer all within bow range, just nonstop. And that was just like, I literally called the guy, left him a voicemail and he called me back and we got to talking and just like, it was just a normal person. Like I didn't say anything about YouTube channel or, you know, I wasn't trying to like leverage who I am or, you know, not that I'm anybody yeah. significant, but, um, I that's awesome, that. man. I wouldn't turn really out cool. asking for permission. And that was like, that was in Iowa. And you'd think like, wow, like somebody in Iowa, like they've got it. They've been, they've had to have been asked, you know, to hunt it a million times. So like, especially if you're in like a less desirable place to hunt, like I'd be asking for permission over, paying somebody to hunt i think no shit yeah that makes a lot of sense i yeah so continue to continue to door knock and ask for permission um what about so i mean so that's like logistically how your season played out was those few states and we got off on a little tangent there with the guiding stuff but like um what about like in I mean, are, are you doing it again? Like, was it a ton of fun? Like at the end of the day, are you like, I'm really happy I did this and this was super fun. 
Yeah, there's honestly not much I would have changed other than not getting busted by that deer before I left for Iowa and shooting that deer with the bow. Um, the, I mean, I'm super stoked with the buck that I shot on the gun opener, but that's two years in Ohio, which is my home state now. Um, I've been here for two and a half years and both of the bucks I killed were on the last two gun openers. And I, it's, it's not for a lack of trying with a bow because I'm out there working my butt off and running cameras and food plots and all of that and spending a ton of time out there in season and trying to be strategic, picking my, you know, picking the best days to hunt and trying not to pressure them. And man, that buck I, I had on camera so many times, like there, I know it's really controversial and I think you've even, you've had people talk about it, like the whole cell cam thing. And, you know, if it's an unfair advantage or if it's ethical and, you know, you just, you get a picture of a buck doing one thing and you go in there the next day and you kill him. Well, dude, I tried so many times to do that with so many cameras <laughs> And, and not just this year, like every year. So like, I, I don't put a ton of stock in that argument because I, maybe I'm just the world's worst deer hunter, which I don't think I am. I, I think I'm at least adequate. Um, but man, for, for how many, for how hard I try to basically do that, like it never works out. Um, so like I get a picture of him. I go hunt the next day. He doesn't show up. I'm not there the next day. He shows up. So then it's like, all right, well, it's an access thing. I got to be bumping him. But it's like, again, how many times can I bump this deer before he just like vacates and stops doing this? Mm-hmm. And so it was just this constant chess game. But to, to get back to your question, I'm, I'm pretty basically going to do the same thing this year, except obviously I'm not going to draw Iowa again. Um, I'll, I'm going to draw Kansas, though. So Kansas is going to be kind of like my main rut hunt. Um, I think I'm going to keep doing Missouri late season. That was kind of fun um probably make a scouting trip this this winter or spring just to kind of like get more familiar with some of these areas um but north dakota again with with alex and the whitetail dna crew i've gotten to be really close with him he's one of my best friends for sure and it's been cool because he's doing the same thing i'm doing and building a brand he's got a team of people so it's a little bit different but he's uh he's definitely my sounding board for you know how to attack certain things from a business standpoint and he's i mean he's incredible with the camera so picking his brain about editing or photography stuff like he's really really good so he's it's cool to see him grow like in parallel with me like we both have different strengths and weaknesses and he's working with other brands and i'm working with but it's, it's just cool so i'll be going out there with him again early season definitely oh that's awesome yeah, I think it's I I obviously I totally agree. Like it's great to have friends like in the industry that you can hunt with that are living the same kind of lifestyle as you are. Because those are the people you you connect with, right? Like, oh man, I gotta do this. Like they're the people that share the same yeah. problems, the same challenges, the same highs, the same lows. Um yeah, so what about like so so it was really fun. You had a good time, like it was worthwhile. You, you would you do it again totally yeah i think yeah. i mean even those like longer trips like if anything as painful as they were at times like i want to do I wanna, i'm just getting hungry like i want to do more i want to do more longer trips i want to do more traveling um we've actually been looking into getting a camper so maybe my wife and son can come with me and that way it's like i'm not just gone for so long like at least I'm coming home to the campground and being with them. 
Um, but even still, like we've been kind of tag team in the childcare thing because we both work from home for them. You know, I, I essentially work from home um, doing nothing but editing right now. But like come fall, like we need, and she was on maternity leave for a bulk of this last fall, which was really nice because I could just kind of leave and, you know, didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. Well, this year, she obviously, maybe not obviously, this year we have to account for childcare. So we're, we got to get something full time lined up. So I'm not playing Mr. Mom during the, during the work day. Well, Lindsay's in meetings and I can kind of bomb out and be a little more spontaneous reacting to what's happening in the woods. But yeah, dude, yeah. it's a blast and i i definitely just see myself doing more and more and more so trying to figure out a way to do that while balancing the family life is going to be the the biggest challenge yeah oh that's awesome um so i'm I'm glad it's i'm glad it's like working out and it's and it's all good what about um what about some of the like challenges or what were some things that you were like oh man i did not expect this like um from a hunt standpoint or from uh yeah just i uh, hunting and financials or and like yeah, yeah either from, i'll start with the hunt standpoint because i don't know what people are going to be interested in i think people probably like to see you know a peek behind the curtain of what it, things are really like but as far as the hunting goes i'd say the biggest challenge and you kind of alluded to it earlier um talking about like the harlem bowhunter guys and you know levi morgan it's like you got to kill 12 animals to have 12 episodes i'm not really super concerned with that but like at the same point it's like to have meaningful videos or to have cool videos like a kill definitely helps and it's like that's what i'm out there to do anyways i'm not out there like i love i i have a deep appreciation for the entire process and the kill is obviously just a very it's a fraction time of what the majority of deer hunting is but like that's that's the high i'm chasing is putting an arrow through a deer um but there's definitely a, a sense of pressure uh, that comes along with things. And um, it can be pretty difficult sometimes if things are not going well. Well, I was, I was fortunate to tag out in North Dakota if I had not punched that tag and just got back to Ohio and, you know, had good encounters, but like didn't kill anything. And then all of a sudden it's November and it's like you're banking to fill all your tags in the rut, which like, you know, can happen you could kill three deer in three days in november but also it's like man things haven't been going well and anyways i i was very fortunate how things played out this year and i was very blessed to have the, the time freedom to be able to spend 16 days or 15 days in north dakota to be able to do that um and with that kind of in, on the same line of thought there like there's plenty of times maybe not plenty of times but there are occasional times where I probably would not be hunting if I wasn't doing this for a living more or less. So it's like, you know, certain times where it's like, I might just hunt the weekend or take a day off or, but it's like, no, like I'm, and, and it's not all only strictly like building a channel and the business side of things. Like the other part of it's like, I'm trying not to let that voice in my head talk me out of going out there. Cause you never know what day is going to be the day you actually end up killing the buck you're after. Um, like in 20, 2022, I woke up, it was the gun opener in Ohio. I kind of had a rough season in Ohio and drank my coffee at four in the morning, was sitting on the couch and it was like freezing cold out. And I'm like, dude, you've been hunting your butt off. You haven't, you haven't killed a buck yet. Like, why bother even going? Like, I'm not much of a gun hunter. 
and I, I was about to go back to bed. I ended up going out there, like a bunch of stuff happened, and, and then I killed the biggest buck I've ever killed. So it's like you never know when that time is, and obviously having a gun helps a little bit, but um, all that to say, like there are times where I probably would sit it out a little bit more often than I do if I wasn't doing this. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, and and for everybody listening to me, like, man i and from the outside looking in i would i would think the same thing which is like man if i was hunting full-time i'd never get sick of it until like until you do like a lot of people sleep in when they're just hunting the weekends like they get drunk on friday <laughs> night and they're like shit i'm not I'm, I'm gonna hang out on saturday morning you know like i'll go out saturday night um and then a weekend turns into a two hunt a two hunt weekend which is saturday night sunday morning and then you're you know you're back at the house sunday night and you just slept in with your buddies on Friday, Saturday morning, you know, like it, it certainly happens. And and if you push that across 16 days of like, holy cow, I was thinking about, you know, I was thinking about sleeping in this morning and even like, you know, I follow Chris B and I watch a bunch of his YouTube stuff. And even with, um, uh, born and raised and, you know, uh, like all like even hunting public, all those, like the bigger YouTuber guys that are up, um, even seek one, like those guys are like, they'll hunt for days and then they'll be like, man, I just need to take a morning off and just like not go. I need to just, maybe I'll edit, maybe I'll work out. Maybe I'll just watch some TV and just not do any, like, I just need to take a break because then when you come back to it, you're like, all right, I'm ready to go. Like I took the morning off. I feel bad about taking the morning off. Where am I going? And I'm, you would usually get out at, you know, two or three in the afternoon. I'm getting out at one or noon. I'm going to go scout this new area. I'm going to put some extra effort in and you get going on it. Right. It's just, it's, 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 I won't want to call it burnout, but it's just, um, it's, it's just tough to continue going every morning and every night. Yeah. Especially when things are not going well. Yeah. When, when, yeah. When the hope seems lost. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Did you do a lot of all day sits? Um, not as many as I did the season prior. Um, we like in Iowa, um, that's when I had the cameraman and we, we, we were in the field a lot for the whole day, but a lot of times we were jumping in the truck and moving and, you know, eating while, you know, grabbing some Casey's or something and then going to a different spot or whatever. But so we were in the field most of the day if not all day, but I don't think, I don't think we ever sat all day. And it's funny because the, I killed my buck the 10th morning and I was prepared. I was going to sit there all day long. And luckily like this buck came cruising through. And I mean, he wasn't even like, he's not, he's not, he's not the buck that I went to Iowa for. I mean, he's like sub 120, but I was so jacked. And I, I mean, I hard shot him, watched him go down in sight. And I, out of all three of the bucks that I killed this year, he's the one that I'm most proud of and was just like most pumped with. Cause I just like got to sit there and like really soak in the moment. Cause a lot of times, like, you know, you kill a deer and you're like, whether you have people with you or not, it's like, you're just so quick to get into the work and gut him and get him yeah. broke down. And like, I just kind of took a while and appreciated things after that long of a hunt and so yeah it was really cool yeah oh man that's yeah i i can see that it's not always the biggest buck 
that has the best story, you know, the best adventure. Same thing with me this year. Like I, I got those two bucks and the second one is significantly smaller. Um, but he has the way better story. And I was way, you know, public, a uh, public land walk in from the ground hunt versus where I scouted, found him and then killed him versus, uh, I think there might be deer on a preset tree stand on our land. And I sat in it and he just showed yeah. up and there he was like, <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah, it's just, it's a different, it's a different feeling, you know, back to the fulfillment of like guiding and all that kind of stuff. It's what fulfills you. Yeah. Like my Ohio buck, it was like, it was the gun opener. Like I'm a bow hunter. So I was like, I did it with a gun. I basically like, I knew that buck was in the area and that was the buck I was trying to kill. But like, I basically got lucky and I killed him at like 12 yards with a gun, but it's like, you know, basically got lucky and killed him with a gun. And like, that was that. And it's like, it was, it was a lot less significant. It was the biggest buck out of the whole season by quite a bit, but it was like way less significant than the other two because there was so much time and effort that not that there wasn't a lot of time and effort that went into hunting in Ohio, but it was a lot less strategic and just, I I just felt like I got lucky gun hunting and just didn't feel excited about it. No, that's, that's fair. So, um, I know we, I know we both got to run here soon to wrap this up. Like if somebody listening to this is, is wanting to go down this road is wanting to go down this path of, of hunting full time, what would be like top two or three things that you would, you'd advise them on? The first thing, so I'll I'll say two main things. Like the first one is consistency. I, I see a lot of people that come in, they make like they might get real excited about something or have a bunch of content. They put all their content out and then they don't do anything for 10 months. And then they get excited about it again and then put out more videos and then they don't touch it for a year. And like that was, that's the hardest part, especially as doing, you know, that was what I was doing. Essentially, I was trying to do it a little more consistent than that. But when I was working full time in corporate America, it's like, that's demanding in itself having like a demanding sales job. Like I'm drained by the end of the day. I'm not trying to edit or do videos or anything. Um, so consistency over a long period of time and just not really having any expectations, just try to get better every, every week or every, you know, however often you're putting content out, just try to get better and better and better. But the other main key is, is the connections and the relationship building and, um, like reach out to people. Like most people are willing to help you especially if you're somebody that is actually doing that, putting the action and the effort in to begin with. Like if you were to ask advice of the, you know, the best deer hunter that you follow on Instagram, like they may or may not respond. But if you, if there's like evidence of you, like I'm out here every day scouting already and I'm doing the work and I'm doing this and then you reach out to them, they can kind of see like, okay, this guy's serious. Now I'm going to help this guy out. Um, but just, just don't be afraid to reach out to people. I mean, like I love talking about this stuff. So if you guys are interested, like feel free to, you know, email me or follow me on social media and DM me or drop me a comment on my channel or whatever. Um, but the more like-minded individuals you can network with and and meet and talk with, that's when the real growth happens. That's when you can start, like I kind of talked about like, I barely touched on like the brand deal side of things and trying to navigate that. Like it's, it's like a, like a hidden world so like you kind of need a little help to like you know somebody to hold your hand and kind of walk you through some of that at times to make it a lot smoother at least i mean you can't just ram your head against the door until something works but 
um, yeah, just, just don't be afraid to reach out to people that you look up to and connect with other people that are at your level and above your level and, you know, kind of grow together is probably the most important thing. Yeah. Okay. So those are the top, yeah, those are the top two consistency and don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. Yeah. But with you ask and I, and I get some of this and I'm sure you do too, which is people are just like, Hey, can you help me shoot a bigger buck? Like, <laughs> I maybe no, probably not, but what do you got? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's one of those, it's one of those things like provide the information, say like, Hey, you don't want to reach out if I send you some info, like if I give you some details, is there any, would you be willing to give me some advice on something? Um, I've been working at this for the last three years and I just can't seem to put the pieces together. And like that message will go much further than, Hey, can you help? Can you give me some advice on killing big bucks? 100%. Like you gotta, you gotta craft the message to at least make it, make it reasonable. Cause yeah, the other yeah, thing people, the other thing people don't want is when I, and I've done this too, is people that you reach out to, they don't want to have a seven day long novel written back and forth between you and them. They want to be able to answer your question, help you out and move on. And if you can provide that, provide like a narrow focus right away, they're more willing to answer a question than if you're like, help me kill a big deer. And they got to yeah. go, okay, where are you hunting? How are you hunting? Is it private? Is it public? Like they're, they're yeah. they need all the details. Yeah. Do the, do the work up front for them so they can help you help them, help them help you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Help them help you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, everybody. Um, if you like Aaron, Aaron, where's, if you want to talk to Aaron, you want to check him out, please like, if you're listening to this, go to YouTube, subscribe to his channel, help this guy out a little bit. <laughs> What's the best way? Like let's yeah. Give all your credentials so that people can follow yeah, you. Yeah, so on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, it's all Next Step Outdoors. Um, if you want to shoot me an email, it's Aaron at Next Step Outdoors, A-A-R-O-N at Next Step Outdoors. Um, but yeah, I mean, don't be don't be shy. Feel free to reach out. I love talking hunting. I love talking business and YouTube and, and everything else. So yeah, appreciate you having me on though. Beautiful. No, thank you. Thank you for hopping on. I appreciate it. we've been going back and forth and back and forth trying to figure out times. And I'm sorry, I'm like looking away. I'm looking at your YouTube channel and checking out your views and stuff like that. So that looks like that high fence shed hunting one was pretty, pretty highly viewed and yeah, fun that was, topic. That was pretty funny because so I, I got invited to shed hunt this, this uh, like trophy ranch in Michigan. And I was like, it was just like an the same thing as like kind of the outfitted hunt. It's like, not something I'm really into, but like, I'm curious to see what it's like. So I'm going to go and I'm going to film it. Yeah. And I post in, in, in Michigan, like they get so much snow, probably similar to where you're at, where it's like, it's like pretty late in the shed hunting season by the time the snow is melted enough for us to actually go do that. And then it took me forever to make the video because there was just, there wasn't a good storyline. It just like, it was just a bunch of random clips that I had to like figure out what to do with. So I posted that thing, like basically after shed hunting was, that thing and it did pretty well and then at one point it just went freaking viral and you know i think there's a lot of people commented that you know that's not real hunting it's not real shed hunting like and it's like dude i'm literally picking up antlers out in this thing like i never said it was real or not real or it was like an accomplishment to kill a deer in there i'm not hunting in there so like i think the controversy kind of helped drive it too like yeah negatively commenting on it but uh <laughs> it was it was 
it's fun. I'm going to go up there again and do it. It was, it was a lot of fun, especially after like, if you've actually shed hunted anywhere else where it's like, you might walk all day to find a single antler. Like we filled a truck bed full. So <laughs> nah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. I, I, I would do it in a heartbeat. If someone was like, Hey, you want to come shed hump yeah. a game farm? I'd be like, yeah, yes, yeah. I do. Give me like, let me actually find antlers. Let me figure out what the hell they actually yeah. look like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was my first time in there. So like, I didn't know how big they get. And like, they, they got like red stag and stuff. Like I didn't even know what a stag antler looked like. So that was definitely sweet. <laughs> that's awesome, man. That's way cool. All right. Well, and it's a good, that's a great note to end on. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate the time, man. Um, for everybody listening, if, if you appreciate the podcast, you like the podcast, please like subscribe. If you really want to do me a solid, um, write a review. Um, and for sure, go check out Aaron next step outdoors. Uh, everything will be linked in the show notes. Thank you, everybody. Awesome, dude.